0: You're listening to Once, Episode 315, Wake Up Call. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis.
1: I'm Jeremy Laughlin.
2: I'm Erin.
0: And we're ready to discuss Wake Up Call, which I would say may be the best acted episode of the entire series.
2: <sighs> no. Well, hold on there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. Don't raise it too high. It's going to fall.
0: Well... Uh, Acted, not necessarily written, although the dialogue was very good. I, think.
1: I, I still you got something I already know from uh, comments behind the scenes that you got something out of this episode. I didn't. I just I know that already.
0: Well, which is fine. There, there is something that's extremely profound. And maybe some of our listeners have been yelling it at their podcast listening devices previously. Uh, But I'll bring it out in this episode in a little bit that'll just be like, smack your head like, duh, why didn't we think about that? If
1: there was, uh, if I wanted to yell at you and Aaron, which I don't, as I was absent from last week's podcast and I listened to it, some of it just getting through today, there was something really funny at the end of last week's discussion. (laughs) And that was, Aaron, you asked, have we ever seen two sisters who don't like each other? (laughs) Oh yeah. And I I was waiting for that to be a joke. <laughs> so I was oh, thinking, I just got it. Like Regina and Selena. <laughs> I just got it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That that sisterly fight that went on for way too long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh yeah, that was there might have even been others, but that was I was like isn't that a recurring theme actually in the show? <laughs>
0: It was an unsupervised podcast episode. Oh,
1: thank you! I was also going to say that because I'm listening along, and next thing I know, you're calling our our supporters, our heroes. What did you call them? I don't remember. You called them kind voodoo priests and priestesses. Oh, yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> because they're kind. <laughs> They, the way our heroes use their voodoo powers is not with needles. What they do is they take no, little no, – no, no. just listen here. Mm. They take little uh, dollar bills and they stick them in the pockets of the voodoo dolls. And that then comes into our pockets for the podcast. That's why they are kind voodoo priestess. And pri- pri- priestess? Pri- yeah, priestesses and priestesses.
1: Okay. But see, this is why you need – it turns out an unsupervised episode can be even with you present – You need to not call people voodoo priests and priestesses.
0: Well, we'll see what we end up calling. Voodoo is not
1: necessarily to be
0: endorsed. it's not to be endorsed. Yeah, yeah. Please see your doctor before endorsing voodoo. Awkward. But back to my main point. The reason I was thinking this acting in this episode was so good is:
1: Were you in it? Did I miss you? Did I miss your cameo?
0: Maybe it's in particular Regina, Regina and Ivy. They're back and forth. They had some fantastic moments, and especially Lana Puria, playing Regina, Ronnie, Evil Queen, all of that stuff, or now Good Queen, not Evil anymore. But Ronnie's expressions, or when she became Regina, and that whole moment in the bar, just Lana Puria's face-acting ability, without saying a word, without moving anything but her face muscles, said so much. And that's what amazed me and then to realize the emotional weight that regina as a character is carrying in this episode and then how lana peria has to play that in her acting i think she's doing an, an amazing job and even ivy with some of her acting communicated a lot and that's one of the things i think that sets apart a really skilled actor is when they can act and communicate something without a single word
1: well yes of course
0: and there I was think, a lot of that in this episode.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. I'm not I'm not arguing that, but there have been certain episodes in the past that <laughs> uh, had a lot more going on that I think, especially some of the season one, season two. Okay, yeah. but there again, I mean it's it's usually it's usually Lana Priya involved, <laughs> uh, but some of the the Regina Snow stuff was, I would say, deeper. I mean, the content helps with that. Sure. We know we know Lana's capable, but so yes, if we're if we're going to, you gotta see you're falling into the once upon a time superlative trap.
3: <laughs> oh no,
0: that's what happens after so many years.
1: <laughs> but yes, it was very well done.
2: I think that this is my favorite episode so far of this season, and I do agree it was very well acted. And I think that they kind of found, I don't know what the casting call was for Ivy, but she is very similar to Regina. And at the same time, she I don't think they're going to take her in the exact same direction, but she has that same depth that Lana Perea has in her acting, just in her voices and her facial expressions. So I have to agree with
0: that. Adele Kane, I believe, is that actress's name, who plays Ivy Drizella. So this episode also has... Uh, interesting Easter eggs and potential connections with the tower and Rapunzel, maybe. So,
1: interesting note, the opening, the title card included a tower. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, it looks like a Rapunzel story. Mm -hmm. But the only tower we saw in this episode was in ruins. Yeah. It didn't look
0: like the title card. But it did kind of remind me, and it looked very similar to the Rapunzel Tower we've seen before. But wait, so the one in the title card was not crumbled? Correct. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I wonder, nah, doesn't seem like something they could have cut out or would have cut out or even filmed for this episode. Um, well, no, I take that back. Because that Maybe would feel like is. layered
1: flashbacks.
0: Like, Yeah. See, my thought with the tower is... That the bat in the belfry d- has this thing with towers and she's always locked up in them. And so maybe she is actually Rapunzel in some way or Lady Gothel or in some way. Lady she's, Gaga? You, know, you think she's Lady Gaga? <laughs> no. Uh, well, until we see her dressing uh, meat, then we might know. But uh, until then, she's associated with towers. Lady Gothel and Rapunzel associated with towers. We saw this tower And I thought what was going to happen when we saw the tower was that we would get to meet the bat from the Belfry and discover that she's the one that helped turn Drizella over to the dark side. Now, that could still be the case, but I think that that tower is her original home. And so when Drizella was looking for magic, she was specifically looking in this place because she knew the person who lived in this tower before – Used to wield many much dark magic and was imbued with much dark magic. <laughs> so I think the tower is more foreshadowing of things to come than necessarily relevant to this episode in itself.
1: People say that about me a lot, actually.
3: <laughs>
2: I think it would be a natural place to go now to figure out where Drizella went from here. And that's obviously to have met the Bat in the Belfry, who probably helped her cultivate her power even more. Because it does seem like her and Regina were pretty early in their lessons. And for her to have power of the magnitude that she clearly has to make this unbreakable curse, then she would have had to get more mentoring from somebody else. And it's pretty clear that the bat in the belfry and her in current day have that type of mentoring relationship.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So I was going to say that I think I have some timeline issues with this episode, but I think it's more age appearance sorts of things. Whereas in the past, they've, no pun intended, they've, when they've shown different periods of Regina's life, they've done. A really good job with changing her age. Of course, that's partially because of how she changes her voice too. But they've done things to make sure that we clearly get the idea she's younger. Have they? They've never used a young Regina actress, have they?
2: No, only the baby. <laughs> right, no, no, the Lion King that baby. <laughs> why, she. <laughs>
1: she yeah. mm-hmm. uh, She just made her infant face and no, Uh, but they, they went back as far as about 16 and she was convincing enough to do it. Yeah. But now a couple years passed before Henry left Storybrooke and then an unknown amount of time passed before Regina joined him. And then all this stuff with Drizella happened. And I was thinking initially, Oh, so dark curses are that easy now, but Henry and Ella were just getting together and Lucy's like ten, eight at the least. Mm -hmm. So took her way longer than Regina to figure out the dark curse. If that's the actual timeline. And yet nobody aged. Like, I don't feel like Drisella aged. I don't feel like Regina aged or Henry or Ella or anybody except the unborn Lucy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which we don't even truly know if she was actually born to henry and cinderella oh we are i think it is totally reasonable to assume that is true but the reason why i'm saying we don't really know is because we haven't actually seen that happen yet true
1: it could be an interesting another realm adoption story yeah yeah that's true i hadn't thought about that um yeah so that's true but we do know that she's been there it's not a thing where the curse keeps getting altered and she was born there or something because we've we seen her in another
0: realm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dig more into talking about Lucy since we're more thematic with our new format with the podcast, which it seems you, our listener, are enjoying the new format. We're getting some great feedback to uh, both about the podcast and about uh, the show. And, and it's nice that the the forums on our website are getting active again with theories and the tweets and Dialogue is starting back up. So it's fun to have stuff, new stuff to theorize about, completely Mm -hmm. new stuff. But going back to Lucy, she's on this quest for the storybook, which then tells us that she hasn't had the storybook. I thought when she got this idea of, oh, I know how to wake up Regina and Henry, that she was just going to go grab the storybook, bring it back, and have them touch it, and it's going to wake them up. But the storybook isn't there.
1: So I guess what she's had is a published copy of Henry's book. Right. Which, minor quibble, there was that super accurate picture of Emma in the book that was enough to sort of trigger some memories for some sort of Killian. (laughs) But uh, apparently there are no other illustrations in the entire book because even Lucy didn't know that Ronnie was Regina. True, And you would think that the picture also wouldn't be that big of a revelation because – Henry should be familiar with any other illustrations in his book. Like, he should have recognized Ronnie and been like, why does she look like the illustration in my book oh, if there true. were any others in there? True. So. That was a thought that occurred to me. It seems like a little problem except for the fact that they haven't actually shown any other illustrations. So there could be just this one picture of Emma. It could be one of those books where there's tons of text and like a few key illustrations. And, so, and they're
0: only in the very middle of the book because that's the only <laughs> yes. place you could afford to put color.
1: The picture of Emma is in a chapter that has nothing to do with Emma. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Childhood gripes with books. <laughs>
1: childhood world problems yeah yeah so then like there are five illustrations and one is the clock tower and one is Emma and one's like the well with magic billowing out of it and one's the dagger Yeah. and then I don't know why I'm coming up with all the illustrations for the book so you can make up the fifth one yourself
2: (laughs) maybe some kind of fail safe in the curse made it so that only uncursed people appeared in the book So Emma's in there because she's not part of this curse. Maybe Zelina's in there.
0: Well, this book, (laughs) as far as we know, Henry's new storybook, the one he wrote, is his story on. I don't think it's anything about the original Once Upon a Time storybook. I don't think it's any of those stories. Because after all, this has adult Emma. It has Henry, the boy, getting two mothers To compensate for the fact that he didn't have a mother growing up.
1: Well, okay, but it at least necessarily references the stories that were in his original book. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very good story. Yeah, references. If it was just like, and Mary Margaret Blanchard was Snow White, and she did some stuff in the Enchanted Forest, (laughs) but this is all about Storybrooke. So we're not going to talk about what they did, you know, in the past. (laughs) It's written by Strong Bad.
2: Is it just me or has this new curse kind of given them the exact same background they already have just with like more modern labels to it? Well, so like Killian was actually shot and was actually saved. Regina or Ronnie actually tried to adopt a baby, but then just didn't get it. And then him, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then Henry, you know, basically has Emma's story, but he was actually born in prison. Mm hmm. So she's not even creative.
1: It seems more like it twisted their memories rather than erased them. And I don't know if that's some kind of limitation or what, because there were other things. I mean, even like like what you said, but Killian was injured and lost. I mean, he's still searching for a girl. He just doesn't realize that he's searching for a daughter.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's almost like the, the, their stories weren't changed as much as they were in regina's curse
0: it's kind of like the butterfly effect for each person but in some cases it's either what if a decision was different or what if one detail was different like with hook it's not a matter of a decision it's a detail that this lost girl he's looking for is not his daughter as it it really is Or, or uh in in henry's case The reality, one detail of the reality, a decision was switched that Emma had him in prison and then he therefore grew up in in Mm -hmm. the foster system.
1: But it it sort of seems almost like, I want to say it feels like a limitation, like a somewhat weaker curse. Because why let Killian remember Emma at all? Mm. But the memories there, just the wrong setting and the wrong circumstances.
0: Well, some things are bleeding through (laughs) 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 yeah well remember the whole forgetting part of everything was always an add-on to the curses zelena added it on to the curse that snow was casting with the half heart or with charming's heart when then snow and charming shared a heart Zelina flew in with her little broomstick. Yeah, remember, this is all literal I'm describing here, literal on the show. But she flew in. She then dropped in the forgetting potion into the dark curse. And also, Regina manufactured aspects of the forgetting potion or the forgetting aspect. So the forgetting thing is not part of the curse. I mean, even like when in uh, at the end of – or halfway through season three, when Regina transformed Peter Pan's curse – it took all of them, that Dark Curse then took everyone back to the Enchanted Forest, and they all kept their memories completely intact. So the forgetting thing oh, yeah. is an optional add-on. It's the upsell well, that's to the handy. Dark Curse.
1: Yeah, that's handy. <laughs> I wonder if Drizella had to buy her Dark Curse used.
2: she clearly added some embellishments to it like we learned today
1: yeah i hope that story develops really well because it's one of those things where they built up the mythology of the dark curse Mm -hmm. so much that there shouldn't be another one it was bad enough they cast it multiple times there shouldn't be another one
0: and i still wish my original theory as long as we're talking about the dark curse it's a different realm well not my (laughs) original theory i still wish when we were in the underworld season well
1: we weren't there i (laughs) still wish
0: my theory back then was that uh the dark curse was actually hades creation and it was some way that he was going to bring everyone from the world to the underworld And so Storybrooke was designed to look like the underworld, not the other way around. I liked that theory. I thought that was really cool and would have given the dark curse an even darker meaning to it. But
1: yeah, except I think the way they did it probably made more sense. Yeah. Why would I mean, then every little town in Maine would be like, actually, this is kind of hellish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is hell in Georgia, but that's (laughs) Helen, not hell Uh in Georgia.
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, Helen. (laughs)
2: has ivy ever referred to this current curse as the dark curse because it seems to me like it might just be a whole different curse that she derived inspiration from regina to make and she probably made it with the bat in the belfry who seems to be like equally as powerful as at least regina if not rumpelstiltskin
1: maybe it's the brown and withered curse like all their plants that they seem to love.
0: I think she did refer to it as the dark curse or a curse, referring, though, to the dark curse in that scene when she just killed Prince Gregor.
1: I just realized that Ivy killed with a vine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll we'll get more to her in a moment. But we mentioned earlier the idea of Lucy maybe not even being related as we think she is. We got this feedback from Lisa saying, I have a theory regarding Lucy. I theorized that Lucy is not really Henry's daughter and that she had to have been around when he met Cinderella for the timeline to work. But now I'm thinking somewhat different. After this week's episode and the revelations about Drizella, I just don't feel like it would have taken her 10 to 11 years to build this curse. She's a quick study and she would have never been patient enough to take that long for her revenge, unlike Rumpel and Hook. So, I'm wondering if the fairies created Lucy, kind of like Dawn from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for those who watched it. I'm wondering if she was implanted into Henry's memories in the Enchanted Forest 2.0 as a way to help him get back to Jacinda during the curse. If we look at what Lucy has been saying to Henry, all she had said is that Henry and Jacinda are her parents and that they are cursed fairy tale characters but she doesn't seem to know anything about her past before the curse. The only people she recognizes from the curse are her parents. She had no idea who Ronnie was. You'd think she would know her grandmother if Regina was living with them or even came to visit once in a while, but she doesn't. She only Uh knows her parents. So I don't think she is real in the traditional sense. I think she was conjured up by the fairies to help Henry and Jacinda find their way back to each other in the curse.
2: Um,
1: Interesting theory.
2: I like that theory, except that I think Lucy is also cursed right now, which is why she doesn't know anybody other than her parents. And that's just because she's believed that. But that would certainly explain the timeline. And I was a very avid Buffy watcher. And I, like, way back then when this was happening, when they created Dawn... I wasn't even, like, I don't even think I had an email address. And so it was like a spoiler in a TV Uh. guide. And I was like, I hated the idea that they were adding this, like, grown-up sister. But the way that they did it was so well done in that that's what they had to do to protect, you know, this, the world, was to create this sister that they knew Buffy would protect and so she was like actually air quote the key to saving the world, which that could actually work for Lucy and the fairies would definitely be this fictional TV show's version of how that was done in Buffy.
1: Well, there's a simpler explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Grandpa Rumple suggested a nice <laughs> little honeymoon cottage. <laughs> At the edge of realms.
3: <laughs> oh, that's true.
1: true. <laughs> Go have a ten-year honeymoon. Here's a little uh, enchantment so you won't age while you're there, and come back.
0: That that could totally be true.
2: But then Lucy would have aged.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. Why not? So she would have aged the ten years.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> what were they running? That's my. What were they running from? In. I want to say the pilot, but really like the flashback in the finale of last season.
1: He just said they found us, I think. But yeah. Who's they and where are they looking for I was hoping them? it was ogres. Or what else did I say that I hoped it was? I think maybe you said dragons. Yes, I did say dragons. I wanted dragons to be a thing because there were so <laughs> many loose ends related to dragons. And no.
2: I feel like that scene to me is the parts of the pilot that we can't like the ori- original pilot. <laughs> See, this is why I spinoffs get confusing. I feel like that scene is like the pilot where it's like we really want it, we really want it to be true, and we really want it to make sense with the series, but it doesn't because the pilot was you know filmed a year before they started filming the actual show, and it was just like how they were trying to get the network to pick them up versus like they already had they already knew they had a season why would they not have that make sense with what they were planning right
0: but what we saw in the finale episode of season six and all of that stuff with you know they're they're coming after us you need to take the storybook henry giving the storybook to lucy and saying you need to take this and make sure that you protect it because this is he said something about this is how we'll find each other everyone needs to know something like that anyway he gave her a mission and uh there's still this big gap of time which whether that's 10 actual years or it's 10 sped up years at the edge of realms there is a lot that could happen between now and what we saw in the finale of season six
1: what if the book that lucy's been running around with is the book but it's cursed
0: that would be very interesting
1: because, yeah, Henry's an author, but that's a pretty big alteration to our world. Forget Hyperion Heights. To have him be a published author with a book that circulated beyond is a pretty big change. I mean, they've done it before, unfortunately, but with the author yeah. <laughs> and his fame. <laughs> but,
0: uh, and it could make sense that that was something that Drazella put in as well because she wanted to make this curse unbreakable this is the unbreakable curse supposedly
1: well well it's not I think unbreakable. She settled for breakable with consequences yes
0: it's the curse you don't want to break yes
2: every time i hear unbreakable curse it makes me think of harry potter and the unbreakable vow and the what happens if you break an unbreakable vow you die <laughs> You
0: die. It's
2: pretty much sounds like that's what happens if you break this unbreakable curse.
0: Well, something bad will happen. Bad thing. Bad. <laughs> well, yeah, Regina
1: looked like she was going to cry Yeah, when she remembered.
2: The hero always finds a way, I might remind everybody. I don't care how powerful Drizella thinks that she is. Good always defeats evil.
1: <laughs> yeah. There were There were a couple of things in this episode that felt fast-forwarded, like the whole... Drizella-Regina relationship, to me, seemed to take place in about a day or
2: one. I think that was just their like secret meeting spot. You think so? Or girls with mommy issues just develop really close relationships with people that they want approval from.
0: Well, yeah. And that can be the same. And and I would be doing our good friend Jeff Rony a disservice if I didn't bring up Star Wars at least once every now and then. Because one of the things that often bothered me with Star Wars, the original trilogy, that is, is Luke spent so little time with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Basically, their flight in the Millennium Falcon was their only time that they spent together under training. And then several times Darth Vader later on is saying things like, Obi-Wan trained you well and all of this stuff. It's like, dude, he trained you on the ride over. The commute time was all you had to learn from Obi-Wan Kenobi. I
1: thought he knew him a long time Well, when he, he was younger.
0: did. But he wasn't but being trained. Exactly. So it was basically the car trip over that he learned everything, supposedly.
1: Once a Star Wars podcast. <laughs>
2: Well, was Emma, Emma was never given a whole lot of time to learn her magic. Like, didn't they just throw her off a bridge or something? Kind of like what Regina did?
0: No, she did have a lot of time to learn her magic. She struggled with it. Remember in season two, there were all those things where Rumpel was trying to push her to use her magic, to try magic, to learn things. She learned very slowly, actually. She learned, I think, more slowly than anyone else with magic. I think
1: I just realized why Lucy is real. Why? Because they're... Well, okay. (laughs) With the caveat that Drizella's not in on this necessarily, Lady Tremaine is trying to do something to Lucy or to her heart or something like that to save Anastasia. So if Lucy were like a figment of anyone's imagination or something like that...
0: Well, I I don't think the idea is that lucy is fake like that she doesn't exist but it's what is her origin story was oh. she just conjured or was she actually born hmm. if yeah i don't know about that. I, yeah i, I don't think weird. we're gonna get into something like she was conjured because then you open up a whole new can of Little snowmen running around with the ability that you discovered that you can create life out of snow, Elsa. Which that was never really addressed. Uh, And sometimes even just literally sneezed out new living creatures. Yes. But that aside, I think even this direction they're trying to take Lucy, knowing that, well, you need the heart of the, the truest believer, basically.
1: Do they not need her heart after all?
0: Well, I probably they do that but the, the weird thing is, is that confusing. yeah it <laughs> seems like they're going the opposite direction that they're wanting to destroy or they're wanting lucy to destroy everything she believes in and that somehow conditions her heart to be used for resurrecting anastasia
2: i think the key word there is they they are saying it
0: <laughs> right
2: because the bat and the belfry is is perhaps not on Lady Tremaine's side, and she could just be making her, like, be distracted by this. True. And really, they do need Lucy's heart, but she's just Uh, like, oh, just go, like, mess with her parents and try and get them to, like, not be happy and try and destroy her home life, and you just go do all that so that I can actually do what I need to do with Drizella while you're distracted with your migraines.
1: I love at this point how complicated the story has the potential to be we've got Lady (laughs) Tremaine who seems to be awake or partially awake who has her own sort of thing happening now we know we were right and by the way you guys with a lot of your theories last week were pretty spot on but now we know Drizelle is awake now we know the curse is hers although I might almost say possibly hers probably hers they could still twist something in there Mm -hmm. But uh, she sure seems to be uh, advantaged by the curse. And then we've got the Bat. And is she... She's not on Tremaine's side. She seems to be on Drizella's side. But I would still wonder who has whom captive. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's very, very interesting. Multiple people playing multiple angles. It's not as simple as some previous stories.
2: And I want to know who Tremaine made a deal with that she gets to be awake or how that happened, because it doesn't seem like the bat in the belfry would have made that deal if she was the one who helped Drizella create the curse.
0: Well, it, it seems like this is all part of Drizella's plan, that she wants Lady Tremaine to think she is in power because... What Ivy has said that she wants to do is to to plant that seed of pain and to make it grow and grow and grow. It starts with a little aspartame. And then before you know it, (laughs) some vine is poking through your heart.
2: So what's going to happen next week? Like what's the suffering that she's foreshadowing going to be on Lady Tremaine or on Victoria Balfrey?
1: Well, it's interesting is it's possible the bat is actually manipulating everything the same way Mm -hmm. Tremaine was letting Drizella think that she was sneaking around so that she would have belief in her heart so that she could use her heart to bring Anastasia back. It could also be that the bat, whose story we don't know, influenced all of these things to some degree, to... What end, I don't know. Maybe revenge, maybe who knows.
0: The bat kind of seems like this spin off's Rumpelstiltskin because yeah. the bat is the evil apprentice to the daughter who couldn't learn magic from her own mother. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, when you put it like that. <laughs> So,
2: but at least they're drawing
1: the parallels on purpose to some degree.
0: We just need to hear the bat say something like, I'm exactly where I want to be Mm -hmm. when she's up there in the tower.
2: She kind of said that. Like, that's I think Mm -hmm. I brought up that line back when she said, Who's holding whom captive? Mm -hmm. because I said that reminded me so much of the pot or not of the pilot, but of Rumpelstiltskin saying, I was exactly where I wanted to be. Like, I think that was in Queen of Hearts when Emma confronted him about finding the paper that had the spell in it. The spells were in the book
3: Uh so
2: that they could get free of the cage, knowing that he full well had the capability of fleeing back when he was captured there. And he said, like, I was exactly where I wanted to be. He wanted to be in that prison. Mm hmm.
0: So where's the squid ink? That's the thing. Stop. Follow the squid ink. Stop. <laughs> no,
1: no squid ink. We got far, far from that.
0: Speaking of Rumple, I like seeing Rumple in New Enchanted Forest. The matured, calmed down, mm-hmm. satisfied. Rumpel. I mean, not completely satisfied, but he is not the conniving. We've almost always seen Rumple, Mister Gold, and even Weaver in an, in Hyperion Heights conniving plotting scheming manipulating but in new enchanted forest no he is the old friend he's the one who has lived a long happy life with the woman he loved (laughs) and a a son he loved he
1: still made that entrance that was ominous but he wasn't threatening after all. Yeah, doesn't everyone?
0: <laughs> doesn't everyone wish they had a mother like Regina? <laughs>
3: he's
1: like, no, really, she's great.
0: <laughs> I wish she was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, would you adopt me?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, he did not escape the mommy issues. If anyone didn't, <laughs> uh, wow, everybody on this show really. Uh, the- yeah. I I was particularly happy about those scenes because they reminded us, no you didn't imagine last week or the week before. He really has changed. Mm-hmm. So don't worry too much about what you see in Weaver because he sure I'm thinking Weaver's not really fully awake. I think he's got a gotten a glimpse of the truth, hmm. but maybe just enough to remember the dark oneness or the invincibility, he knows there's something up, but he's, he's acting like a Hyperion Heights version of Mr. Gold. He's not acting reformed or redeemed or developed or anything. He seems like he's making deals. And, of course, there again, if they're really, to go back to the original thought, if there really has been like a 10-year gap between the flashbacks and when the curse was cast, we don't know what happened to him. But if they flip flop him again, I don't I think, think they, they will. Came, I don't You're out. think they will. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, But
1: how many times have I said that?
2: He did refer to Regina. It was like kind of an eerie little one liner where he said, what are old friends for when they were having a drink at the bar? Right. I
1: have. When he brought the file. Like, are we old friends?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and he wants this favor. From her, Remember back in season one when Emma would owe Rumpel a favor. We thought, oh, maybe Rumpel wants Emma to stab him with the dagger and relieve him from the dark one-ness. And, uh, (laughs) oh boy, we were such little kids back then with our podcast. (laughs) But I wonder if the favor he wants from Regina is something similar to that, that he's going to ask her something extremely difficult, but something that he must have done in order to be freed from the prison from the bondage of the dark oneness and for that dark one power to not pass on to someone else but to be the end of the dark one power it's that that favor that it's like you know if uh, and you see this in all kinds of stories Hey, if i get if i turn into a zombie please You be the one to shoot me before I start attacking you and your friends. I I am trusting you with this ability. We saw uh, Emma gave the dagger to Regina because Emma wanted Regina. Emma trusted Regina with that control. We've seen that kind of favor in all kinds of stories.
1: But why is he acting so menacing?
2: Maybe just to keep up his appearance, if that's what he's always like as Weaver. He seems
1: more than Weaver.
0: Well, he, whatever he is, Rumpel is extremely intelligent. So he would be good at keeping up the charade, at at doing whatever it takes to make everyone think everything is normal. Yeah. But then again, there is that thing that uh, you guys mentioned that what happened during these supposed 10 years, if there were really 10 years, maybe all during that time, Victoria kept him in a dungeon again and tortured him in some way or or something like that yeah so maybe there is a little bit of some bitterness or anger after all of that or maybe he's just being really smart in how he's going about things but even like when when regina or ronnie rather asked him for that favor there seemed to be like a little bit of a recognition Mm
3: -hmm. but he
0: wasn't letting it on like he wasn't like wait a minute. You're asking me about Regina Mills. He just he just knew, but yet there was also the recognition that when he got her to agree that or when she said I would owe you a favor, he knew there's high value in that because he knows she's the Evil Queen, not just because she's Ronnie who owns the bar and the favor is hey, I want to get a free drink some night.
1: But that's what I mean. It's like he yeah you're right but it's almost like he's forgotten everything that came in between maybe it's like he remembers part of everything but he yeah he doesn't seem like a good guy at the moment which is confusing
2: if we could recall though his his cashing in of the favor emma owed him was you need to help me find my son
0: well in it Manhattan. was it was actually specifically i need you to chase him and convince him to talk to me that was the actual favor not mm, taking sorry. him to manhattan it was the remember it was when neil burst out of the window and started running away that's when said, remember that favor you owe me eh. this is it i need you to find him and convince him to talk to me
3: hmm.
2: okay cuz i thought he used that at the door when he knocked and said emma you're coming with me to new york i need you to help me find my son
0: i think he did well, Probably he self. did say something like that, but I don't <laughs> think he was calling in the favor at that moment.
2: I'm really excited to see perhaps next week when, assuming Rumple is awake, Reaver is awake, I'm excited to see, like, it's kind of the the twisted of what happened in season one when Regina knew that Stiltskin was awake. Like, and she said, tell me your name. And he said, Stiltskin. Mm-hmm because she, she knew he was awake, but he had previously not been awake for the entire duration of the curse. And now they're both awake again, perhaps. I, I do think Rumple is awake. And so now that Regina is awake, whereas she wasn't when they had their interactions in this episode, I just think that that's going to be a funny moment because it usually is with them.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. That will be. I wasn't thinking about that as far as their relationship from this point on.
2: They have, like, they do actually have kind of a nice relationship now. Like him pointing out all the stuff about her mom Mm. and Lady Tremaine.
0: Yeah, using that high intelligence to make the connection that Regina actually wasn't making. And, And, hey, speaking of connection, I want to get to this. This face-slapping, face-palm connection that I realized in this episode. Now, so Hook and Alice. I am absolutely convinced Alice is the girl, is Hook's daughter that he's looking for. Because again, in this episode, they were playing chess together. And specifically, look closely at the pieces that they played. Hook moved a knight Alice moved a rook. She moved her white rook. Hook moved his black knight in in the reverse order, though Hook moved first. And then uh, Alice used her white rook to take out Hook's white or black knight. And then she also picked up one of the other pieces when she was talking about look at what's missing from the board. She was holding a black rook. So the rook and knight thing. Remember, the knight belongs to Hook's daughter. And the rook belongs to hook. The rook hook knight rook, rook. rook. Anyway, so th- th- those hints I think are strong enough. But here's what really sealed it for me, and this is the face palm moment. Okay, Eloise Gardener, and what is Alice's Hyperion Heights name? Tilly, Tilly Gardener, Till Gardener.
1: I think. That might be a stretch. I don't
0: think so. Hmm.
2: I don't get
0: it. Wait, wait, wait. I need to do that in my Home Alone 2 or Home Alone voice since as a kid, everyone thought I looked like Macaulay Culkin and would ask me to do the screen. So I don't think so. Mm. Sorry, it's been years since I tried that, so I'm not sure if I nailed it. It's
1: been years since anyone has seen that movie. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) So I think. Well, yeah, Utility Garden. And we've seen Once Upon a Time do this many, many times where the Storybrooke name is somehow connected to the Enchanted Forest name. But
1: that's not even her Enchanted Forest name. I think that's where it's kind of breaking down for me. It's like, so we've we've got a curse name tied to a curse memory name, but nothing tied to her actual name, which is Alice. Which, you know, none of that means she's not his daughter, but it's – and that might even actually be where her names came from. You're not necessarily wrong, but it's weird. It's strange to me that he's hunting for a girl who is – (laughs) Hunting, I mean, yeah.
0: Searching. Searching.
1: searching. Fine. (laughs) Good grief. I didn't mean like – This isn't
0: like girl hunting season. (laughs) Good grief. He's not gonna go kill her Dude, and turn her into beef jerky. You can hunt for things
1: without weapons. What in the world? Okay. Uh, <laughs> beef jerky. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh man, do we need? Maybe we need supervision. Period. Like every episode's an unsupervised episode.
0: Yeah, we don't have a chaperone anymore for this podcast.
1: <laughs> anyway, okay. Searching. <laughs> he he's searching. For a girl with the wrong identity and name, like she doesn't exist. It's weird. It's very strange. More of them need to wake up soon because it's starting to get odd.
2: I find it interesting how he gets like he uh, he's a good actor. He gets really flustered whenever he's talking about this missing persons case. Like he it's almost like he looks like he's having a panic attack. Whenever they bring it up, like you could see how flustered he was getting just talking to Tilly about it. Like that shouldn't be a stressful situation. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like now he seems to know a lot about her because of the journal. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Huh? Yeah. There's just, there, there are multiple layers. It's odd.
2: I would say the description he gave of her liked, liked art, hated school, a bit of an amateur poet and fearless. You could so be describing Alice from Alice in Wonderland, like the original character Mm -hmm. in all of those descriptions. I think she ran away from her lesson or fell asleep during her lesson or something. And that's when she fell down the rabbit hole. And it's a very artistic and very poetic thing. And she was very fearless. So I still, I'm pretty convinced that they're the same. Person.
0: here's another possible connection although i'll have to say that this isn't maybe quite as strong this is more connection with hook and the symbol uh, opera 13 sent this saying i was on pinterest today looking for a picture of a medieval compass for a project of mine like you do and was surprised to come across an image that looks surprisingly <laughs> like the symbol in the missing girl's diary if you search for veg visar viking compass You'll come up with some very similar images. We'll have a couple of them in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash uh, 315. Opera 13 continues by saying, I did a quick search for info on the image and found the following. The Vigvisar, uh, Icelandic uh, me. pronunciation. Uh, it's uh, okay. She has a pronunciation guide in here. Vegvisir, veg Vegvisir, vegvisir, whatever, means that which shows the way. It's a symbol found only in one modern Icelandic collection of spells, the so-called Hold Manuscript. That book has nothing more than this one sentence to say about the sign. If this sign is carried, one will never lose one's way in storms or bad weather, even when the way is not known. And we have more information about that uh, from the link in the show notes or at norse-mythology.org. And Opera 13 continued saying, it's not an, an exact match, but I'd say it's definitely related. And the meaning of the symbol certainly seems to fit with our missing captain's daughter, though not with what the bearded man told us about the rune warding off evil.
2: So last week I had done a lot of research on this symbol because I had found it and I was surprised that I even found it when I searched for it. And the actual symbol I, I found was from that same Norse mythology, but it was literally what the bearded man in this series said. It was to ward off evil and that they used to draw it on their faces if they were going into battle as a way to protect themselves from anything that came in the battle.
1: That must have looked real silly. <laughs> did they do one big one or did they just do
0: a little one somewhere?
1: I
2: don't know.
0: <laughs> the thug, by the way, was named Sam Orchoda. I think we should just call him the beard. The bearded guy? The bearded guy. The bearded. Or just the beard. But he's dead now. Presumably dead. What? Yeah. <laughs> Did you not see?
2: Jeremy missed that scene.
1: Forgive me. I don't remember anything if I don't watch the episode <laughs> twice. <laughs>
2: Sorry, he's just he was just sleeping, actually. Well,
1: <laughs> oh, wait, wait, when, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was super unclear, because it was like, ooh, this is Grizzly. Wait, is he I mean, did he just drink a lot? Like what's going on in this?
0: Yeah, there were a lot of interesting things in that room. Uh there was an open prescription bottle lying down on the seat cushion, or that the ottoman. And that could have been maybe like a supposed overdose.
1: Something about the way that scene went down, I just forgot it both times that I saw it.
0: There were also very large canisters in there, like the kind of canisters you might think you would find in a bomb maker's house.
3: Oh.
1: Okay, now you're just going off the rails. Yeah,
0: yeah. It it was just kind of weird. made him seem either like a druggie of some sort or... doing something not necessarily good. And the fact that he was in oh, this house, a criminal. this whole house looked like it had been <laughs> abandoned. It was boarded up. Uh, the outside windows were. So it looks like he wasn't even supposed to be in this house at he all. He's a squatter. Yeah.
2: But Hook found him there.
0: Yeah, it's his address that was on the, yeah. not the adoption papers, but the, <laughs> the impounding paper, the whatever papers from right. the police. What department. did
1: Hook do when he got there?
0: Broke he open broke the door. In? And then? He found the guy Lying there, presumably dead,
3: and look at anything the guy's else. arm again.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm trying to figure out what distracted me from the fact that that scene existed two times.
2: <laughs> I oh <well. laughs> actually missed it the second time. Uh, I was like writing a note, so maybe it was whatever scene was right before that. We were writing notes.
1: Maybe Drizella just has thirst for blood. She has to find someone to kill what? regularly.
0: Yeah. So why kill the messenger? That's the other interesting thing. He called someone to say, hey, it's me. I've got bad news. They're looking for the girl or they're asking questions about the girl. So why kill him? Just because he's a connection. He's a a loose end. And maybe then who he called was not Victoria, but was Drizella.
2: Yeah. Maybe there's another person. Maybe he called the bad in the belfry.
0: Yeah, we've never seen her with a cell phone but then again she can hide herself so why can't she hide a phone we've never seen her
1: anywhere with anything except like dirt and flowers and a teacup actually didn't even want the tea so you know so you don't kidnap someone and then look through their journal and then find something they drew and get a tattoo of that so I'm guessing that she would have drawn that because of somebody with that tattoo did you ever watch Haven
3: no Mm. no
1: tattoos this reminded me of Haven So that'll be a little shout out to the Haven fans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she was investigating some kind of crime ring or magic crime ring that was connected with that symbol.
1: Look how many cool things there are, though, you guys. We're theorizing. We don't really get it. It's not predictable. I like it. (laughs) and, And,
0: you know, something here with this is where does this symbol connect to anything because this isn't going to be just some random rabbit trail. This symbol connects back or to the main story somehow. No. I think this symbol is somehow connected with the bat in the belfry. I do too.
1: I would actually be ready to theorize that he's actually looking for Lucy if we hadn't seen Lucy in the other realm with Henry.
0: It's his daughter, and Lucy looks more like the daughter of Henry and Cinderella. Well,
1: and I keep forgetting how old this hook is.
0: Yeah, and Hook is very white, and so is Alice.
1: I mean, so is Henry.
0: Well, yeah, but <laughs> Lucy's Cinderella not. Cinderella. We
1: don't know who, who Wish Hooks. <laughs> I was gonna say baby mom. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> We don't know who his daughter's mother is,
0: and the other <laughs> weird thing is: what if uh, Hook and Lady Tremaine previously did hook up? <laughs> See why I did. There. Sorry, why and, and, my and, hold, eyes, Okay, my yeah, brain. sorry about that. But what if what if Anastasia is actually the missing girl?
2: <laughs> that if, could work, but that will not be a happy ending for Hook. That right. will
1: not be a happy ending for anybody. Yeah. Oh,
2: but it might actually cause some necessary conflict between the heroes of the show because he would want her to be revived yeah. versus everybody else would maybe not want that to happen.
1: But what about Alice? Yeah. yeah. Is she just weird.
0: I, I, I really think though that Alice is his daughter because they, they're pushing it so much twice now with the chess things and the fact that, uh, that there's this name similarity that I feel like is a a dead giveaway
1: but okay but to back up just to play devil's advocate for a second what if we knew nothing about Belle all we knew was that there was this Rumpelstiltskin dude and somebody was waiting for him Mm -hmm. and maybe someone said something about a chipped cup then we're like she's got the cup she's the one maybe she just has the things that will connect the people to the people Maybe like maybe having chess pieces doesn't make
0: her, his daughter, just the one who's going to help lead the way. Well, it's not that she has chess pieces. She's been playing chess. And each time they play chess, they're moving those pieces. The rook and the I knight know. are in prominent connection I with know. each other. I'm just saying. And even in all of this, there's this connection with this mark. And maybe even, remember, Dr. Facilier... Who seemed to be this really dark evil. And is he going to come back into the picture? Like was he maybe the one who stole Hook's daughter? But then again, Hook did say it was a vengeful witch. No, he's
1: the new dragon.
0: (laughs) You haven't seen me in my true form. Yeah, Yeah, true. We'll see him in like three or four more seasons from now. He'll be locked up in the land of bones.
1: And only because the fans wouldn't let it go. (laughs)
2: I I think like that. It's all gonna come back to the bat and the belfry. I feel like this symbol
1: doesn't it always.
2: I think I think we talked about this last week, but the symbol is this Viking symbol. She kind of looks like she could fit into that mythology background. I,
1: mean, I still think it's funny when you say that.
2: Why? <laughs>
1: Why? Do you Did you Google it just because she has
0: crazy hair?
2: Just, I don't know. Just Google it. I think that she looks similar. <laughs> Google to Vikings. The
0: she's a um, Viking Rapunzel, maybe. And I think
2: Rapunzel. that she's also the guardian. Like, I think that she's all, like, you know, how all roads led to Rumple always. Yeah. She, you said it yourself. She's the new Rumple.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so yeah. I just feel like it's, it's all of it, but. I, like, I don't know why it's taking me so long because you guys seem perfectly convinced that she's this evil, evil, evil person.
1: Oh, not necessarily.
2: I still don't think that she's convinced that she's super evil yet. So whether Eloise Gardner and that other guy had that symbol to protect themselves from her or whether she like is like the leader of that club and they're actually protecting themselves from actual darkness, I don't know. That part's a little bit... I haven't locked and loaded the theory yet. I just, I just think that it's all going to come back to her. And I still think what I shared last week about that symbol and this mythology having to do with like changing a little little part of your destiny is pretty significant with what Rumplestiltskin is trying to do.
0: And one other crazy connection, which I don't know if we've theorized this, but what if Alice is Hook's daughter? And the mother is the bat in the Belfry. So the bats, uh, maybe the bat was misunderstood. Maybe like the vengeful witch thing was just a big misunderstanding, (laughs) you know, lost in translation sort of thing. But what if she is going along with all of this just because she wants to be reunited with her daughter?
1: Could be. And that's where I think I get the idea of evil is that it seems like she's managing to outsmart and manipulate two very evil people. Usually the people who are doing that have at least some badness quotient that's pretty high.
0: I want to see the Bat and the Belfry and Rumple talk to each other.
1: I think that would start to get a little over the top. There'd be so much double meaning and so many shady looks. I'm not even sure we could handle... A scene like that. They'd just be, it would be so creepy and hard to understand. I'm not even sure they'd see each other. They'd just be shifting. The dialogue is starting to form in my brain.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you look back on all of the strings that Rumple pulled that seemed evil at the time, or at least we assumed were for some evil purpose. They actually weren't like he was just trying to find his kid, which is perhaps the only goodness that was left in him is his love for his child when the dark one took over. So if they're truly mirroring this spinoff after that, she is probably trying to find her kid.
1: Now that you say that, I don't want that to be it.
2: I would not be surprised if she's just been alone her whole life. She doesn't seem like somebody who would take a partner and (laughs) like she just seems like one of those like menacing dark confirmed bachelorette i don't know Uh, (laughs) well you know
0: so we thought that about the dark fairy too we thought that maybe like she was always dark and menacing and evil and all of this stuff and that malcolm fell in love with the dark fairy and that whole thing but no it turned out no she was just a mother wanting so desperately to protect her son and did something bad in attempts to do that
1: Maybe yeah. it's the same
0: thing with the bat. So
1: let's not do the same thing again, please. Please. Well, please. The manipulator behind the curse caster is searching <laughs> for a child. No, not again.
2: <laughs> Evil isn't born, it's made, right?
0: Yeah. Sure. And speaking of being made, <laughs> our heroes are not born, they're made. And they make themselves. They are the self-made heroes, and they do a fantastic job. If you say job voodoo.
3: Of
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to our heroes for this episode: Lisa Slack, Lisa R, Marianne Lavadi, and our 21 heroes on Patreon. We really appreciate your support. You are the ones who protect us from the dark evils and dark forces. We could tattoo your names on our arms. You're and the right-
1: bats in our belfry.
0: <laughs> yes, you. You are the the growing vine in the pot. You. You run... You're the
1: vine that strikes through our hearts. In love.
0: In love. <laughs> you are our amazing heroes. So thank you, Lisa, Lisa, and Marianne for your kind support for this episode and our other 21 heroes on Patreon. Hey, that whole thing about the bloopers, I've actually started making some progress on finally getting the bloopers out to our Yay. heroes. And boy, we've got a lot of bloopers over the past 40 years episodes of our podcast, (laughs) but it will be some Uh, greatness and only our heroes get access to those bloopers. So if you want to be an amazing hero and support the podcast too, then think about what is the podcast worth to you? We're not going to say you must give a certain amount or anything like that. If you want your name mentioned in an episode, for every $10 you give, you get a name mentioned in the episode. But to get access to the bloopers, you can give as little as a dollar per month. And we would be grateful for every little bit of support, whatever it's worth to you. I mean, think about it like this. Do we make you laugh or do we entertain you just as much as going to a movie theater would and seeing whatever is on the big screen? Do we provide that much value of entertainment to you? If so, consider giving us what you would give to see a movie or what are we worth to you? So... Go over to oncepodcast.com slash hero to check out your options over there for becoming one of our wonderful heroes. That's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And if you want to, by the way, just make a one-off donation instead of signing up for the monthly donations, the way that you could do that is you could sign up over on Patreon because that's the main system we use. And you could donate for one month and then in your patronage after that. But we'd love it if you would continue supporting the podcast because the con- the expenses to run the podcast are ongoing. It's not just one lump sum. So thanks to Lisa, Lisa, and Marianne for the wonderful support and all of our heroes over on Patreon. That's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Thank you.
1: And please be advised that the voodoo method that Daniel mentioned earlier is not a valid
0: method of donation. <laughs> Well, you could try it and see. If it
1: works, we don't want your money. Let's just put it that way. Hey. That's creepy. I'm not sure I
0: would say I wouldn't want it if it works.
1: You heard it here, folks. Daniel would take money transferred by Voodoo Transfer. I I would rather not.
0: I wonder if VoodooTransfer.com is available.
1: This episode of the Ramen Noodle brought to you by...
2: I'm afraid to even type that into my search box. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: What's with the chimp and the bug? Could we get back to (laughs) Once Upon a Time?
0: Yes. Let's get back to it. (laughs) Ronnie, uh, played by Lana Priya, Again, fantastic acting skills, I think, on this. But one of the things I was really excited about, and you could probably guess, (sighs) Was mentioned both by name and, well, yeah, they, it was only by name. When they initially were looking through the mirror and looking at Lady Tremaine, I thought ah, that's Cora, but then I realized, oh no, that's that's Lady Tremaine. So Cora was mentioned though, so that was exciting. Cora was mentioned,
1: me. and I loved the context because there again, it gave some payoff to the long-time fans mm-hmm. who know the whole history, and it showed the history between. Regina and Rumpel, and the whole... Yeah, you do have a lot in common with Drizella. And would Cora not have known if you were doing this? Yeah. Good stuff.
3: It was logical,
1: too. I love that. I love logic based on previously written story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like Regina's assertion that just because Drizella had a lot of pain, she shouldn't be able to learn magic. Because arguably... Emma had a lot of pain, like as much pain as Drizella, I would argue.
3: I
1: think it was her kicking herself. I don't think that was necessarily a definite statement that was meant to stand as correct.
2: That's true. Except I, guess.
1: I think partially what she meant also was that she rushed her into it in an effort to feel useful yeah. rather than learning more about her and the situation and whether that was a good idea.
2: (laughs) Let's just go see your mom and we'll talk this out, Drizella. Like, that seems like it might work.
0: (laughs) That's what heroes do. They talk things through instead of battling them out and throwing rocks at each other or running a (laughs) vine through each other's hearts. Oh, right.
2: I like how they asserted that Regina breaks hearts, but she actually just... Crushes them.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, if that's any better. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I would have liked, honestly, to see a little more time with Ronnie investigating, like, it in may be in multiple episodes, investigating and believing based on the facts rather than actually getting her memories back right away. Hmm. It was kind of fun to see her comparing signatures and going, oh, wow, I think it might actually be true. And what does she do with that? But she didn't have any time to do anything with that, because as she started to realize it was true, she got her memories back.
0: Well, and it makes sense that they went that route, because you look back at season one, and Emma had handled uh, Henry's storybook several times before. But it wasn't until she was starting to accept or she was basically accepting the idea that what was affecting Henry when he ate that apple turnover was magic. Then when she touched the book, that's when everything came back to her and she was woken up.
1: And she slammed Regina against a wall
0: within 10 seconds. Yeah. It's
2: true, isn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... I think it's consistent that someone kind of has to be warmed up a little bit in order to be woken up, unless it's just an outright breaking of a curse. And see, here, the curse wasn't outright broken. It was right. one person was woken up, but they had to be warmed up and then triggered.
1: That makes sense.
2: Am I the only one who thought that Drizella was trying to kill Ronnie or put her under a sleeping curse?
1: Yeah, I thought something bad was happening. Since they said, by tonight, Regina won't be a problem.
2: Yeah. Well, and the creepy bat saying, be careful with this magic or whatever she said. It's dangerous. Yeah. Like, what, what if she spilled it on herself? She would also remember who she is. <laughs> like,
1: More dead plant magic.
0: <laughs> well, it's probably some kind of semantic about what the magic does. Like, it restores that which was once lost. And so, therefore, if you accidentally get it on yourself, then you'll get your childhood acne back or something like that. I don't know.
1: I think they... Didn't she say specifically it could take someone out? Uh, Something like that. I couldn't understand it, really.
2: Maybe if it was given... Maybe if to... I don't know. What would happen if they gave it to someone who wasn't already warmed up to the idea that... What if they gave that to Lucy?
0: Well, maybe that's the thing, is that if the person isn't warmed up, then it's deadly. It's like poison to them. But if you prep them in this way, that ivy had been doing with regina then when she takes the potion or the poison or whatever it is then it wakes her up i think so can regina
2: can regina just go around giving that to other people and make waking them up without them actually having to break the curse then is that going to be a loophole
0: i don't think so because there was so little of it
1: we're gonna no we're gonna see it again because they made the point of the first comment but then even after she gave it To Regina, she's kind of like, just enough to wake you up. Like, oh, are you trying to get our brains warmed up to the idea of what if you gave someone more?
0: Manic in the chat room said it's dangerous because if the dosage isn't correct, it will initiate a reset (laughs) to factory settings.
2: (laughs) So she'll think she's the evil queen again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Maybe that's uh, what
0: happened to uh, Weaver. No,
2: no. But they did grow, like, a whole big plant, and they only took one little pointy thing off of it. So there's more where that came from.
0: What if it's called squidweed? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it from now on. It's squidweed. squidweed.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jared's asking if that's the special tea, the special brew.
2: Maybe. Well, no, because cause this was magic. And that know, was just but,
1: herbs. Uh, she was like... She she was acting like she desperately needed the flowers and the dirt, and she's like Victoria deprived me of this for too long. Like, I think she may- was
2: meaning magic.
0: Yeah, maybe, and maybe that special brew did contain some kind of ingredients or strength or something she needed in order to do this, and that's why she was so insistent on needing her special tea, or maybe the whole special tea thing was just something to keep Victoria busy.
1: I think the bat is about to become much more powerful. Yeah, I think she got what she wanted. Pretended it wasn't very much. Let Drizella take just a little bit, and she's got a whole lot of what she needs.
2: Is she only chained up in there when Victoria comes to visit her?
1: Oh, maybe.
0: Uh, I think she was chained this time too.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Really, we've
0: That's never seen her right. unchained.
2: I thought she's. I thought I've only seen her chained once, but.
0: So now that Ronnie is awake and she's Regina again, this creates an emotional, an emotional burden. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this on the show before because Regina is now fully awake and she sees her son and she so wants to you know, hug him, to be a mother to him again and all of that stuff. And she sees these people she knows, but she can't let on. That she knows or she can't wake these people up she can't she's in this this situation where she she wants to see henry happy but yet at the same time bad things will happen apparently
1: well she has to now actively work against him
0: Mm -hmm.
1: presumably to save someone's life if not his
0: and it was good writing that she didn't start that immediately That she didn't just outright say, you know, I've been thinking and maybe you shouldn't hang out with her after all. Because after all, (laughs) the blah, 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 reason.
1: Right. Yes. I can see that line having come out in previous seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Now that you say that. I did expect that. Now that you bring it up when he sat down, I expected them to go there right away or something. But nope. It was good.
2: Who do you think she's going to go to for help on this? Rumpel you think rumple cuz she doesn't know he's awake
1: she doesn't but she knows him yeah and
0: yeah maybe, she's probably going to at least test him maybe she'll just go to him and say emma 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 are you awake yet that would be hilarious <laughs> this is your wake up call emma she's
2: like yeah she could drop a hint but i was just wondering if she might go to victoria
1: here's my other question is it like In other cases that we've seen where she still has all of Ronnie's memories as well.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So she's going to still know how to run a bar and (laughs) how to lend tools to people slash probably use them for stuff and actually know how to be Ronnie convincingly. Which is going to be a whole new layer that's fun. We're going to be watching Regina pretending to be Ronnie instead of Ronnie.
0: (laughs) Which, interesting side note, uh, for this season, Lana Priya was instrumental in helping to set some of the tone for this season and Ronnie's character. Like, it wasn't only the writers that Lana Priya then got to give some nice input. And so it's fun to see her maybe getting to act the kind of character she would want to be. Back in New Enchanted Forest, there were some great moments between Regina and Henry. When Henry said to her, you were the first to love me. You were the only person who loved me for many years. Wonderful, wonderful moments and great dialogue.
2: I liked the Tron lunchbox. That was cute. (laughs) (laughs) Have we ever seen
0: that before? Yes.
1: I was going to say, I think we have.
0: Yeah. And by the way, if you couldn't tell already... (laughs) <laughs> when it's a good dialogue episode, it's probably an episode. Oh, was this? This was yeah. an episode <laughs> written by Jerome Schwartz and Jane Espenson. Uh, yep,
2: I like it. It's good.
0: So, what is this bad thing that might happen? Like, is somebody gonna die?
2: What did she say? Bad things to the people you love the most. Like, what yeah. was the exact?
0: I don't have the exact quotation, but it was something to that effect that bad things would happen to the people she loves.
2: Maybe their memories will disappear forever if the curse gets broken. Just those people. Hmm. I don't know. I was thinking death because, you know, she was pretty terrified when she remembered.
0: Yeah. And their true memories being forever erased is not necessarily a bad thing if they're enjoying this new cage, not a home i mean you you know they can have a happy ever after inside a cage that doesn't apply in all areas of life by the way
2: <laughs> <laughs> like i just want to know why it has to be henry and cinderella's kiss that breaks the curse like there's a lot of true loves there i'm sure like and i'm wondering if that's gonna be how they get around it like Maybe it's going to be Henry and Regina sharing a mother-son moment or Henry and Lucy sharing a father-daughter moment that is the true love. And maybe that's going to be a loophole.
1: Mm. Well, now that you say it, it's sort of like, oh, there's so many ways to look at it because I think David and Snow kissed in Storybrooke and it didn't break the curse but it could be argued that because just like another time when their kiss didn't work they didn't truly have their memory, so that the love they had or felt wasn't fully there so it wasn't true love so it didn't break but it could also be simply that they had nothing to do with the mechanics of the curse whereas emma was built in as the savior and as a fail safe and so her true love's kiss would break the curse.
2: But so why Why would Drizella even add true love into the curse if she didn't want it to break the curse? That was something I, Rumpelstiltskin intentionally added, knowing that Emma was going to be the savior.
0: Well, no. Remember, all magic – well, it comes with a price. That's all, not why I was trying to all say All curses. All <laughs> curses <laughs> can, be can be broken with true love's kiss. That seems like to be the universal principle – what Rumpel added is he used some of the true love potion, just a drop, in order to make Emma the savior oh, the of ones. the one.: curse. Okay. Yeah.
1: The true hair love potion.
0: Yes. And so here, I think true love can break this curse. But what Drizella probably did is she knew that she couldn't make it unbreakable, but she could make it so you wouldn't want to break it.
2: Oh, semantics. I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just... I feel like unless it's death, it's nothing that Regina cannot then somehow find a way to undo. <laughs> like, they, maybe they're going to end up in a sleeping curse. Well, she knows how to break that. She just has to go to the red room and be like, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> I just feel like...
1: Her look said some kind of permanent separation.
2: It did, but...
1: Like death or
0: something worse than death.
2: She even said in this episode, a hero always finds a way.
0: I wonder if that way might be like someone she loves is going to have to die. But what she will decide to do is she will sacrifice herself so that the curse can still be broken. She will take that price and she will be the one to pay it.
1: As long as Regina lives, you are going to be looking for a way for her to sacrifice herself.
2: Well, that's what a savior does, <laughs> even though she's not the savior. They should have just named her Aslan. It would have been fine.
0: But then again, here's Rumple wanting to die and wanting to be rid of the bondage of the Dark One curse. So it's like several characters may be offering to say, no, I will die. No, I will die. I will die for her. No, I will die for her.
1: Yeah, Regina did not have a look that said someone has to die. Yeah. It, was it was like Henry. Specific. Something specifically very, very bad is going to happen.
2: And it has to be Henry because that's the only one that she would have that look about. Yeah.
1: Or something that would hurt
0: him. Or it yeah. could be one of those really well orchestrated kinds of curses like the shared heart sleeping curse thing where they couldn't both be awake brilliant. at the same time. Yeah that was a Jane Espenson thing, too, I think.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess we'll see.
0: So Henry and Cinderella, in the meantime, are finally going out. But at the same time, Ronnie's going to be trying to manipulate the situation to make them not fall in love with each other. Uh, But they're going to fall in love because they've apparently been in love, maybe even married before. And maybe even Lucy is their actual daughter. So it's more just kind of waking up what's already inside them, bringing them back together again.
1: I liked the torque wrench scene in the flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And subtly handing it over so she could use that to fight because he's got the lunchbox.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and the mixtape. That's true love right there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and mixtape
0: too. Always, guys, so here are the things you've learned. Dance with your wife and bring a mixtape.
1: And fight the bad guys with your... Soon to be wife.
0: Yes. And use a, a Torx wrench.
1: If you can, it. if you don't even need mom's fireballs to defeat the bad guys, you know
0: it's true love.
2: <laughs> oh, mixed tapes.
0: Well, how oh, about mixed How tapes. about the mixed bag of Drizella and Ivy?
2: That's, That's not f- a very
1: nice thing to call her.
0: <laughs> oh, she is a mixed bag right now. <laughs> mixed bag of bones? <laughs> Bringing it back to Mr. Doctor Vassilie.
1: So, biggest complaint. This is here. Here it comes. They're going to go vintage. So am I. Biggest complaint of the season <laughs> so far, frankly, was also in this episode. Hmm. Her killing to blacken her heart instantly, apparently, and with a visible oh, yeah. change.
0: She looked creepy.
1: I'm sorry, but that they should have taken this season to be a moment to depart from the overly complicated semantics that they've created around things like that. You need to have some darkness in your heart if you will bring an innocent person to a place in order to murder them for your own gain. There was already darkness in her heart. You do not darken your heart by killing. It's there. If you would do it, it's dark. That's just a silly, not even fairy tale esque mechanic. It's just like they decided this is how it is, and there it is, and it's weird.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good point.
1: I liked the way it was executed, but it's it's a stupid mechanic. She looked almost like she took a drink of something. It was creepy the way she yeah. portrayed it, and I loved that yeah, side of it. Yeah, very well
0: played, I yes, thought, on her part. Again, that facial acting that was so good yeah, in this Yeah, I episode. think the
1: concept is stupid, but the execution was great.
0: <laughs> so let me correct, then, my earlier statement. I think you might agree with this. This episode had the best facial acting of the entire <laughs> series.
1: <laughs> I usually keep, like, the faces along with the people and the acting, but I mm, they were good. At, sure. I'll I'll go ahead and give you that one. <laughs> no, 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 not the series. I won't say the series.
0: It's too superlative. The spinoff we'll series, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Season? Sure. By the way, really cool connection in this episode. Prince Gregor, the guy that uh, she murdered, Rye for Christ pointed this out. Prince Gregor was played by Julian Haig. Oh, yes who is the brother of Georgina Haig, also known as Once Upon a Time's Elsa. Very cool. Yeah. Nice little connection. Thanks for pointing that out, Rye for Christ.
1: And that scene was cold. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Drizella was actually born with magic, not allowed to cultivate it. So at some point, we're going to see uh, an obscurious come out <laughs> and start ripping things apart, or, or maybe not.
2: How does she even know that? Emma didn't know that she had magic, even after the curse was broken and magic was brought to Storybrooke. Well, no,
1: but she, like Emma never, you know, woke up in the night and went down to the ballroom with her sister and made an (laughs) ice world to play on and then accidentally hurt her sister with her magic and was told to wear gloves and conceal it, don't feel it.
0: And Drizella said she was not allowed to cultivate. Not allowed so it's not just like cultivate
1: i get it she's always had plant-based magic (laughs) wink so we've had blood magic (laughs) grizel is all about the plant world
0: didn't and i didn't think about that word but i I was more (laughs) focusing on the not allowed so she knew she had magic but she wasn't allowed to do anything with it so she was old enough to know remember that
1: it's not magic it's fear
0: but you know speaking of the cultivating (laughs) and plant sort of thing When she was there and she found that little chest outside of the tower, I I kind of wonder, did she make that that vine beast happen?
1: Vine beast.
0: Or did that happen naturally? Yeah. I mean, like, was that her magic? Did she cause it? Not like did she just let loose this beast, but did she actually make it? Because the vine magic she used to kill Prince Gregor later seemed very similar.
1: It looked like a nightmare that Super Mario would have. (laughs) (laughs) Except I suppose it wasn't the one shooting the fireballs this time.
2: (laughs) I do have to say I like Jeremy's connection to the Frozen storyline in that Drizella's magic could have been what killed Anastasia unintentionally and that that's why she was not allowed to use it anymore.
1: And then what? They just Ah. made Cinderella think that she had something to do with it?
2: maybe she was like maybe they're all playing together
0: and they blame they push all the blame maybe over on cinderella and she believes that she's responsible for it
1: they had cinderella mopping the floor and she accidentally hit drisella while she was doing a magic thing and it killed anastasia (laughs) yeah something like that that's why you don't keep a load of drisella in the house (laughs) not with the kids
0: (laughs) we need more drisella control reform in this country (laughs)
1: The head cannon is strong with us tonight. <laughs> Ooh, a head cannon. Maybe that's what Gisela has.
0: As long as it just shoots a giant bullet, that the only thing you can do is duck. <laughs> Bringing it back to Mario. Oh
1: my gosh, this is the Mario season.
0: Well, we are going down the pipes. <laughs> we are. The tubes, anyway. Into the dirty underworld, looking for some princess to resurrect we just need a turtle <laughs> shell somewhere <laughs> uh,
1: anastasia is <laughs> princess toadstool
0: <laughs> oh boy wow <laughs> the watcher sent this feedback in our forum saying don't know how or why but the language Drizella was using when she spoke about the curse in the bar didn't give me the impression she cast it I think it's going to be a plot twist. We're going to think it was her because she says she was going to cast it, but it turns out to have been either Regina or Cinderella who cast it. Interesting. Um,
2: why would Regina cast a curse and then have herself be asleep in it?
0: Well, maybe that was to protect whose heart Regina had to use. Because maybe that's part of the thing is that by re- breaking the curse, that will kill whoever it was whose heart Regina had to use in order to cast the curse i'm not
1: getting the motivation for that yeah i know especially for it being clearly advantageous to drisella no so i don't think so but i think there might be a twist in there
0: here's another twist keeper of squid ink said why do i get the bad feeling victoria belfry slash lady tremaine will wind up being cora's half-sister If Lady Tremaine winds up being Cora's half-sister, it will mean that Lady Tremaine is an aunt to Regina and Zelina. It would mean Drizella and Anastasia are Regina's and Zelina's nieces and Henry's cousins.
1: That's getting super creepy, (laughs) but not the creepiest thing they've ever done.
0: (laughs) Lady Tremaine's daughters would have the same sisterly problem as Regina and Zelina.
1: (laughs) You mean sisters (laughs) who don't like each other?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's happened. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It it would mean that Drizella, like Zelina, was born with magic. Therefore, it would be interesting to know if Anastasia was born with magic, or if she was born without magic, with no ability, or if she learned it along the way, the way Regina did. If Regina is our new teacher of magic to the next generation, then she, too, will have the same Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Luke realization of who should be worthy to be taught magic and the guardian of it. I think it would be a very Star Wars crossover story to have it be played out within the Once Upon a Time universe. Since the next Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, is due to come out in December, then why not? I'm just not sure I could argue that the use of magic and the Force are one in the same. Well, when... Regina was training Drizella. That did seem very Star Wars-like because when Yoda was oh, yeah. training Luke, the, the one thing that was missing is that Regina wasn't standing on top of Drizella's feet as Drizella was standing on her head upside down.
1: That would have been an amazing scene, though.
0: Yeah. Difficult to pull off in a skirt. Oh, my gosh.
2: If there is a connection like that between Lady Tremaine and Cora, there would have to be some other time play things to explain it because we have to remember that A, this is a different realm and mm. B, which doesn't necessarily say that that can't be true, but Cora was also frozen in time for 28 years and didn't age and is still, I would say, older than Lady Tremaine is. I originally was trying to think of who Lady Tremaine could be connected to and I was like, could she be Rumple's sister? Because yep. everything used to always be Rumpel's was related somehow, but I don't know. I would like to think that they don't have to relate it back anymore because we're in like the spinoff now. Right.
1: True. Yeah. What is the seed of pain that's been planted?
0: Aspartame. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. For this once, Ivy did not put real sugar in in. Victoria's coffee
1: okay so that was the point
0: she wanted to create an opportunity to get the flowers yes
1: she was like of course not wink (laughs) that you can't see because of the blindfold because of your migraine yeah yeah but that's not I mean so okay so that was part of what I was starting to get at earlier the bat is helping helping quote-unquote Victoria resurrect not drisella resurrect anastasia thank you by destroying lucy's belief but maybe that's not gonna do anything for anastasia maybe that's just Mm -hmm. part of hurting victoria Mm -hmm. by having her hurt lucy Mm -hmm. and destroying her family like maybe there's just a lot of bad stuff being created to get to the point where Victoria's life is absolutely miserable.
0: Yeah. We definitely have some bad blood. Ew. 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 I, I totally nailed that. What are you saying?
1: I'm saying look what you made me do. <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> boom. Oh, that was great. <laughs> nice.
1: Uh, I knew you were in trouble.
3: Uh...
0: <laughs> Keeper of Squid Ink also uh, sent in this feedback saying, as much as I liked the complete surprise at the end of this episode, it frustrated me at the same time because it does not make sense. If Ivy doesn't have anyone else to care about other than her mother, then whose heart did she sacrifice to create this curse reality? Her mother is still here in present day. Her sister, Anastasia, is missing a heart and is almost dead. Now, not missing a heart yet, but maybe that was the heart that was used. But then again, no,
1: Victoria just kind of takes that thing out and looks at it once in a while, and shoves <laughs> it back in.
0: Yeah. Just like you do with a really fun toy uh, or like a cat does with a mouse.
1: <laughs> a cat enchants its paw and takes the mouse's heart out and puts it back.
0: to If practice. a cat could do it, I'm sure it would. <laughs> uh, Keeper of squinting continued. She should be very dead, especially if her heart was crushed to create the curse. But we don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, And she continues saying, if Ivy Slash Drizella was jealous of Anastasia because her mother preferred her sister over her, then how can Anastasia be the person she loved most to be sacrificed to create the curse? Either we are being less misled as to who created the curse or we are being misled as to how we got to this reality of Hyperion Heights. I would think it's maybe the latter, not the former, which means the second one of the two. It may have been done by some means that we are not accustomed to from Once Upon a Time proper. And, hmm, she concludes this by saying, I think there is some squid ink in our future. (gasps) She is, after all, the keeper of squid ink.
1: (gasps) They're all in a sleeping curse. This is the new burning red room.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And only blood magic will fix it.
1: (laughs) They're all asleep in a field of...
0: Dreams? No.
1: What's the flower? Hyacinth? Yes, Yes. they're all asleep in a field with perfectly spaced hyacinths all over the place. And nearby, Emma's kneeling over Hook, and they're both dark ones. Oh, wait, that was a different flower. Never mind. Just kidding. Different show. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Wow. So, yeah, lots of good stuff, obviously. Lots to theorize about. Oh, I have to say one complaint I had from last week that they fixed this week is I thought the photo was a little, I thought it was stupid that it even existed, that it was up there. There was just sort of like in a weird compartment and partially sticking out. I thought the whole thing was kind of dumb unless they did it on purpose, but they confirmed this week that it was put there on purpose. They said it as they gave it to Regina. So once again, when something doesn't quite add up, I have reason to just, reserve judgment and wait to see how it's explained, because it's not just laziness.
0: (laughs) And and that they don't explain it in the same episode when it showed up. I appreciate that. Then it's not like the MacGuffin of the episode. It's a MacGuffin that's stretched across a whole story arc. Stretched MacGuffin is
1: better than a compact (laughs) MacGuffin.
0: Yes, exactly. We like the long ones. And speaking of the long ones, this next episode of Once Upon a (laughs) Time... This is totally relevant you're ruining my segue i thought you were
2: going to talk about this this episode that we're in right now
0: but if you like long once upon a time stuff you're gonna love this coming friday because the friday before thanksgiving american thanksgiving that is there will be a double episode it's not at least that we know of well i don't know at all actually so i can't say this but as far as i know I don't think it's like a part one, part two, two episodes will be aired back to back. They'll start at normal time, eight slash seven central this coming Friday. Uh, That's the Friday before Thanksgiving, uh, November the 17th. So we'll have two episodes that night from eight to 10 Eastern Mountain and Pacific and then thus uh, from seven to nine central time. And uh, thus, make plans for your DVR. Make plans with your own personal schedule. Your babysitter, whatever it is that you do for watching Once Upon a Time, make appropriate plans for that. And then, and
1: thusly, you shall view the program
0: <laughs> for for our podcast. What we might end up doing, depending on how those episodes are made, we may end up recording two episodes <laughs> of our podcast, <laughs> kind of like we've had to do before. Oh, Remember sure, sure. when we had birth. And then
1: I don't remember that myself. I
0: mean, you might. Whatever was after birth, uh, (laughs) whatever Um, it was the uh, the the very brave kind of episode. I forget now the name of that episode, but that was the episode that came (laughs) after birth. The Bear King. Thank you, Matthew Paul, from the chat room. Uh, So we might end up doing the same thing for our upcoming full discussion of those episodes. So if we do that, we'll probably try and keep both of those podcast episodes short. We'll release them together on that same week. Uh, So you'll have two episodes drop almost right after the other, or maybe a few hours after each other uh, as quickly as we can get those episodes out. So here's the thing. If you send in feedback, separate the feedback, not only by topics, but also by the episode you're sending the feedback for. Uh, But it depends on how those episodes actually play out. If they're like a part one, part two, then it's going to be super easy. If they're two completely separate episodes, which I think is what it's going to be. I mean, yeah, they'll move along the story arc. We'll discuss the episodes separately, probably. But again, we'll be doing our thematic discussion. So we'll discuss the themes of those specific episodes. And although we'll know the spoilers of the next episode, we'll probably... We'll, we'll just see how it goes. Anyway, so separate your feedback, split it up, and concise feedback really is easiest for us to try and incorporate. I know it's really easy to want to get really super details in certain things, but it's much easier for us to incorporate your feedback if it can be more concise. So that doesn't mean it has to be a single sentence, but maybe try and make it a single Paragraph, not like a giant paragraph, but one you know short paragraph or two short paragraphs. That's that's generally easier for us to incorporate.
1: Yeah, there haven't been giants in this season so far. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: No tiny giant giants or giant tinies. Either. <laughs> <laughs> and you can send your feedback to us through the website at onespodcast.com slash contact. You can send a message through there. You can get our phone number to call us any time of the day or night. It goes straight to voicemail. You can also send a <laughs> voice message through the website, both through your computer or even on your mobile device. You no longer have to install an extra episode to do that. So I we'll have the double once upon a time episode coming up on Friday, November 17th. And then the Friday after Thanksgiving, when we're all still knocked out from all the turkey we've eaten in the United States and we're knocking other people out for Behaving like turkeys at the shopping malls, there will be no episode for Once Upon a Time on November twenty fourth, and thus there won't be an episode of our podcast the following Monday, unless we decide to space out our podcast recording by week. We'll figure Didn't that we out. Space out tonight? Yeah, we did space out tonight. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably want to knock things out in a single night, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But the episodes then might actually be a few days apart of our podcast. So anyway. If you're subscribed to the podcast in your podcast app of choice, then you don't have to worry about the exact episode. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, though, as we'll announce uh, whether we're going live and at what time, and hopefully we'll be doing it in the right time zone this time. And you can follow us on Twitter at once podcast. And please connect with each of us individually because we do live lives outside of hyperion heights and storybook and such i'm daniel j lewis on twitter at the daniel j lewis
1: i'm jeremy laughlin on twitter at fleegon that's b-h-l-e-g-o-n
2: i'm aaron on twitter at aaron j cruz
0: this podcast would not be possible without our great team helping us episode after episode so thanks to jack for writing our show notes john Buchanan from audio for editing our show notes Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in the next episode of our podcast. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums. Keb for masterminding our timeline. Our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast and several other episodes. And to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, remember, be charming and don't slouch. And thanks for listening. Once podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be a wonderful hero too, whether you use magic, or something else, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And actually, no magic is involved, so the price is very low. It's simply what you value our podcast at. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. And no voodoo either.